Welcome to the Tea on 2020, the podcast that helps you stay politically informed because we all know that it's a struggle to stay up to date. So instead, use our weekly TLDR to maintain your status as an informed voter. I guess before we start, we should probably introduce ourselves and explain why we're even doing this. So I'll go first. I'm Ioana. And I'm Ilana. Basically, we're college students and political news junkies who oftentimes find themselves listening to everyone's in-laws, grandparents, and pet hamster lecturing about their supposed political opinions. Boo. Sure, Bernie Sanders can rile up my cousin Maria, but what motivates his policy ideas besides his Walmart-grade suits? Why does Trump have a cult following amongst voters that he hurts the most? Like my uncle, who's a farmer. And on top of that, it seems like there are a thousand Democratic candidates vying for the iron throne of the U.S., the presidency. Is it time to choose a candidate? So in making this podcast, we're trying to figure out who exactly each Democratic candidate is and what they're all about. Maybe in teaching ourselves, you can learn something too. So here's what you should expect. We're going to tackle all of the hot topic issues that will arise in the next year and a little leading up to November 2020. Be prepared to fumble through the mess that is the 2020 elections with us. It's going to be fun. So while we're trying to sort out what's going on in politics, each episode will focus on a different topic. We'll quickly talk about the background of the issue and how it got to this level. Then we'll explore the positions of a few different 2020 candidates, including Trump, to hopefully help you situate yourself in the debate. So get ready. Politics right now feels like it's just a clusterfuck. But again, we're here to figure out all the hot topics in politics for you. So continue scrolling through your Instagram and listening to the Tea on 2020 so you can stay politically woke, even though we all belong to the generation that is constantly being told that we don't do enough to be informed voters. inaugurating this podcast by discussing immigration because fun fact immigrants come from all over the world not just latin american countries i know mind blown according to pew research mexican immigrants make up 25 percent of all immigrants while 27 percent of immigrants come from south and east asia pew states that there are over 44 million immigrants living in the united states so chances are you know one you are one or you've heard of them on the news recently When immigrants are talked about on the news, they're really only talking about less than a quarter of them, undocumented Latin American immigrants. So why are we so focused on the alleged New York City-style caravan traffic coming from the big, bad border? Well, because currently, the government has been producing rhetoric against these undocumented immigrants, claiming that they represent a threat to our nation. Sure, this rhetoric turns out Facebook videos that are reposted at rates close to cute puppy videos, but in reality, the rhetoric is also grossly misleading. It undermines the recorded demographics of immigrants, both legal and illegal, while also misrepresenting what Americans actually think about immigrants. Surprisingly, 62% of Americans reported to Pew that they saw immigrants as individuals who strengthened the country, quote, because of their hard work and talents, end quote while only 28% of Americans are aligned with the White House's position and say that immigrants burden the country by taking jobs, housing, and health care. So, get ready to cross the border into our discussion about immigration. 
Immigration has entered into the political sphere as a current hot topic due to apprehensions on the southern border, and additionally from the Trump administration's policy of family separation. However, the border only represents a minuscule portion of this big issue. So, looking into 2020, candidates will need to answer the following questions. What do we know about the border? Do we need security? Is there a reason to build a wall? Or is separation the right policy? And on a wider scale, how do we run the process of immigration? What services are undocumented immigrants entitled to? Is entering illegally a crime? What happens next for the Dreamers? And should there be a pathway to citizenship? Now, let's switch gears to the theory portion of this podcast. To be a U.S. citizen, according to the U.S. Immigration and Citizenship Services, a person has to exhibit good moral character, demonstrate knowledge of English and civics, also known as basic knowledge of U.S. history and government, and exhibit attachment to the Constitution by taking an oath of allegiance, renouncing foreign alliances, and supporting our Constitution by serving the U.S. Now, what's interesting is that U.S. Immigration and Citizenship Services is making the underlying assumption that people born in the United States have these characteristics, but people not born in the U.S. do not inherently have such character. Therefore, forcing them to prove that they have good moral character, can speak English, know U.S. history, and are attached to the Constitution. Though, if you get too close to the actual Constitution down in the National Archives, security gets called. Trust me on this one. I guess they're supposed to be somewhere between denouncing the U.S. and Trump hugging every poor flag in sight. So keep this concept of what an American citizen ought to be in mind as we transition into our next segment where we talk about our 2020 candidates. While we explore their immigration policies, do their ideas acknowledge that to be an American citizen, one must A, have good moral character, aka is not a rule breaker, B, speak English and know American history, and C, swear their life upon the Constitution. To further explore this issue, we're going to talk about three different candidates. Starting with Donald Trump, um, we're going to move on to Tim Ryan and Wayne Messam. For Donald Trump, unless you've been living without internet, access to radio, or maybe even carrier pigeon, chances are you don't need much background on him. The current 45th president of the United States, I know it kind of hurts me to say that still, made immigration one of his campaign tenants leading up to the 2016 election. Traumatic flashbacks. I get it. In regards to immigration, Donald Trump is frequently seen as ICE's best friend. And his most recent information in regards to immigration came on May 30th, when he put out a statement about a new merit-based entry system. And also he talked about, again, about the border wall, but he also wanted to talk a little bit about these new Mexican tariffs. Have you heard about those? Yes, I have. And I think what's really interesting is that I think they kind of diverge from his merit program, which he hasn't really um, outlined clearly. All that we really know is that it doesn't change the number of immigrants um, coming into the United States, but really it changes the composition or the, the profile of these immigrants. So when you say merit program, before we get into tariffs, can you tell people what that is? Because I think we hear it thrown around, but like you said, he hasn't really outlined it. When I think of merit, I think of like merit aid at colleges, things I didn't get because I'm not that smart. But you know, <laughs> what does merit 
mean for Donald Trump? Um, I think for uh, the merit, I think, is a way for him not to address the illegal immigrant idea. Yeah. Because basically what a merit program says is that it gives the more the younger you are, the more educated you are you're more likely to have your application approved because mm-hmm. you have greater merit. You have um, more points that is added to your profile because um, according to the White House, they say that such people, again, if you're young and educated, you have, quote, a valuable skill, an offer of an employment, an advanced education, or plan to create jobs. So basically immigrants will have to prove that they're financially self-sufficient, they need to learn English, and they have to pass a civics exam prior to entry into the country on top of having a valuable skill to offer to this country. So we talked about earlier in this episode how citizens, in order to even become a citizen, they need to have all this stuff. So now you're telling me that just to enter into the country, they're supposed to be able to speak English right away and pass a civics exam? It kind of seems counterintuitive. We also talked about the 28%, I believe, of Americans who believe that um, immigrants, especially undocumented immigrants, are stealing our jobs. So now Trump is saying that he only wants the immigrants who are actually capable of taking all these jobs. How does that read? Why is How is this logic going through his head? I mean, because I think that when you think of a person stealing your job, I think it kind of creates the stereotypical profile that it's um, you know, someone from Latin America, you know, you it's kind of tied to this criminal sense. And I think that somehow this criminality is also tied to stealing your job. And I think that because his support base is much more blue-collared individuals, you know, this type of um, actual labor yeah. that they bring into the country, I think that is what the job stealing is. Like, I don't think that the, the supporters he really is um, reaching out to is the more, like, upper-class individual who has the white collar job, you know, who goes to Wall Street, who's the engineer. Um, because, you know, the scary, the scary rapist Mexican that Trump is arguing or, you know, talking about isn't going to go in and steal your coding job. Um, but what's I think really interesting, though, is that I think you have to look back at the statistics and see exactly what these, you know, immigrants are actually doing from Latin American countries. Um, which is, I think, the country that's kind of the, the, the region that is the choice of Trump when he tries to kind of target them. Yeah, it seems like he's talking about these different groups of immigrants and he's synthesizing them all in his head, but they're really different. The merit-based immigration program does not deal with undocumented immigrants crossing to the border, but yet that's what he's most scared about. This is just a take on our immigration system as a whole and the process of becoming a citizen. Right, and I think that it almost, you, I, I think, in the past year or maybe last year, I don't exactly remember, he was kind of caught on tape saying that he doesn't understand why, you know, basically people from Norwegian countries, you know, why white <laughs> Europeans don't come in. And I think the merit project, the merit program, excuse me, um, allows that type of profile of people to enter the country as for ideally the undocumented immigrant or the person who doesn't know English, doesn't know their civics, um, is not financially self-sufficient and isn't educated, isn't going to have enough merit to enter the country. So it's kind of like a mm-hmm. kill two birds with one stone. So wait, are you telling me that our president is racist and classist? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't, I guess so. I don't, I just don't want to make some type of, you know, moral judgment upon the person. I don't want him to morally judge me. So I'll abstain from that. Okay. So let's transition into these new tariffs. So if you haven't heard, basically on May 30th, just a few days ago, the president announced that he would put a 5% tariff on all goods imported from Mexico. And this is a very, this is a climbing tariff. So it increases, it's going to be increased on 10%. Oh, on only July 1st, 2019. Time is running out, Mexico. Um, if Mexico still has not taken action to dramatically reduce, and I'm quoting, um, or eliminate the number of illegal aliens crossing its territory into the United States, tariffs will be increased to 15% on August 1st, 2019, to 20% on September 1st, 2019, and to 25% in October 1st, 2019. So this, to me, seems like the most BS system. Who is he trying to punish? It's like a little kid who, you know, you know, if they act up once, they get dessert taken away and then it increases, you know, no dessert and no going outside to play. Like, it's a very childish mentality to keep on doing the same thing and just, like, piling on the intensity if you don't get your way. Yeah, I don't even think it's childish. I think it kind of feeds into this idea that he sees America as this kind of superpower in the world. And, like, whatever America wants, it's going to get. So I think it's just, yeah, it's that type of foreign policy that, you know, we're some country that's on top of the world and we pull all the strings and we decide, you know, the global economy, um, the global, you know, distribution of resources mm-hmm. and the access of resource, resources. And I think it under it actually shows, I think, his lack of knowledge on the topic uh, because I think what it's quite evident here is that I don't think he's realized how much we actually import from Mexico. Speaking of how much we import from Mexico, should we share those statistics? Sure. So in 2018, just last year, we imported $372 billion in goods just from Mexico. You can look into the specifics of what kinds of things, but the majority of the goods are cars, tech parts, fruits, and vegetables. Like, personally, do you think this could be a ploy for us to eat as unhealthily as Trump? He's tired of being forced to eat his vegetables, the green stuff on top of his Big Macs. (laughs) So he's going straight to the source to make sure we can't even get them in the country. I think it just shows... Yeah, I, I honestly think that it just shows someone who doesn't really understand, you know process of command and you know how resources get to the u.s not everyone can be oprah and own their avocado orchard i think is what we are kind of getting at which she told trevor noah's the reason why she doesn't buy avocados anymore oh well oprah's safe but the rest of us us millennials who are told we only eat avocado toast are gonna have something have to find something new to eat at brunch um but or we can buy avocados from from Oprah. oprah Okay. I'm Good surprised plan. she hasn't started that as a business ploy. <laughs> Maybe you can talk to her and set something up. Yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneurship, everyone. So, but let's play a little bit devil's advocate here. Right. Now, I'm not saying you have probably gauged from this podcast so far that I'm not super aligned with um, President Trump's policies, but he is right in saying that undocumented immigration and you know, the border is not a one country issue, especially the Mexico-US border. And a lot of these immigrants, most of them are not even coming from Mexico. They're coming from other Central American and South American countries. So they do have to cross multiple borders to get here. So if we really are trying to focus on shutting down undocumented immigration, which again, I'm not really for, 
there needs to be a multi-country approach to it. I just don't think this is the best way to bully a country, in a sense, into, you know, working for Trump or agreeing to his demands. Because in the end, who it hurts is are not, Oprah's not going to get hurt. Donald Trump's not going to miss out on avocado toast. But really, the American citizens are going to be affected by this and the Mexican merchants who are selling their goods. Right. And I think it also kind of undermines, you know, the reality of, or like allowing us to really look into our workforce and Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, what industries are, you know, are people the highest unemployed, for example? Um, And how do we internally fix our um, job economy? I don't think telling Mexico to hold all of its non-U.S. residents is going to solve the fact that Chevy closed down its largest factory in Ohio. Mm-hmm. That, you know, those those hundreds of thousands of jobs were not being taken by Mexican immigrants. They were not threatened by Mexican illegal immigrants. Um, it It's an internal problem. And this is kind of almost like a red herring, I yeah. think. We talked about the rhetoric. Additionally, I think something that we need to address before we move on um, are asylum seekers. For those of you who don't know, asylum seekers have a legitimate right to come to this country um, because they face a real incredible threat of violence, of really anything that may threaten their life or seriously injure their health upon um, returning home to their home country. So as the U.S. is party to um, national international treaties that really allow refugees and asylum seekers. So people have questioned Trump on his plan, on his merit-based plan in regarding uh, in regards to asylum seekers because it seems to eliminate these people who may really need to get into the country if they don't speak English or they don't have a trade, which honestly the people who don't have a lot of these resources are the ones who are targeted and they're vulnerable. He said that it his plan, quote, expedites expedites relief for legitimate asylum seekers by screening out the meritless claims. If you have a proper claim, you will quickly be admitted. If you don't, you will promptly be returning, returned home, unquote. For anyone who knows anything about immigration law or the um, deportation system, you will know that this is not a quick process at all. Some people wait, wait years for the deportation trials and now we've been coming out with um, claims that people are being held in what experts have already deemed concentration camps and they're waiting they're detained they're not even technically integrated into society yet so this is anything but a quick process and to call some asylum seekers um, more justified in being here than others is really diminishing to this system that we have in place to help others. What do you think this process would do to those asylum seekers? I mean, I think that it will under, it will ultimately, I mean, render them out. I mean, how many, if you're an asylum seeker, cause you know, you've been the victim of a sexual crime um, or like some type of, you know, attempts to, you know, wipe out your ethnicity Um chances are you didn't have time to go to university and get a higher education degree. Um, Chances are you didn't have the money to learn English um, and buy the books to read about U.S. history. So, yeah, 
I don't really understand the logic behind that claim. I mean, if really, I think that I think that if the point of the merit-based program is to only allow immigrants that will provide some type of high in, intellectual, um, you know, knowledge and work techniques. Trump can't even understand these people. Does he really want to surround themselves with them? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to go there. I don't think they're going to go to the White House, probably. I don't know. I think he's trying to make friends. <laughs> Facebook didn't work out I mean, well. Yeah. <laughs> he learned Tinder was just for hookups. <laughs> yes, I think this is kind of like, I think it just shows more and more holes. And I think that it shows a program that I was put together very last minute. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, um, it was created based on other merit-based programs that are uh, present in other countries mm-hmm. to um, enforce immigration. So this is a U.S. issue. I mean, every country deals with immigration in a different way. Right, exactly. But I think that for the elections right now, I think we need to focus. I think the big um, conversation is immigration into the U.S. Into the US I don't yeah. think we're really focusing on how we impact immigration. No. You know, the <laughs> idea that maybe, question. you know, we, you know, yeah. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say here is when we talk about immigration to the U.S., I think we don't address the idea of brain drain, mm-hmm. which is the idea that our country offers lucrative resources to intellects from other countries, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Con- especially countries that um, are very underdeveloped yep. or suffering and really need these people to stay, but we kind of create a more lucrative deal so they come That's to us. That's another issue. Tune in yeah. <laughs> 30 weeks from now. Maybe we'll tackle it. But I think that it also creates this kind of idea that immigrants are out to get us and we don't have any type of responsibility in global immigration. Yeah. Let's see now what Tim Ryan has to say. You may or may not have heard of Tim Ryan. He's not doing so hot in the polls right now, but he's still running. He's 45 years old, and he is a current house rep from Ohio. Tim Ryan announced that he was running for president on April 4th. Also, some fun facts. He's written a book about mindfulness called A Mindful Nation, which sounds like politics and meditation combined, so true to his character. And he also has another book called The Real Food Revolution about healthy eating, not my thing, and agricultural food economics. Again, a perfect combination of like politics and some cool things. He seems like a cool guy. And living in the soybean slash corn belt. I, I, I mean, know. food economics. Well, you're you're an Ohioan, so mm-hmm. um, <laughs> let's talk about his immigration platform. More importantly, he has thought of himself as quote lockstep unquote with other progressives. But is this really true? Well, yes and no. So most Democratic candidates are on the same page about family reunification. We didn't really talk about that with Trump, but that's a whole other issue. Um, and But most Democratic candidates are divided when it comes to ICE, the actual enforcement of these um, illegal crossings. So he's, only, he's one of only four candidates that specifically expressed the need to keep ICE, while most call for it to be restructured and a few call for it to be abolished um, in its totality. He also has talked a little bit about criminal penalties, and he's opposed to most who of the Democratic candidates who have uh, voiced their support for repealing these charges. So if you don't know, immigrating illegally is actually a criminal offense. 
um, which is interesting because then it's tried in civil court, which is another matter. But um, he doesn't really support getting rid of those penalties right now. So he, in his ideal um, country, upon assuming the presidency, being an undocumented immigrant would still be illegal and you'd be a, a criminal in the system for doing so. And there would still be a need to enforce it with this specific body. So something also he's talked about in relation to immigration, which is always a little bit iffy, um, are drugs. So he's talked about the opioid crisis specifically in Ohio, and he has linked people dying left and right um, with drugs coming into the country. So is there truth to this? Yes, a little bit. So most of the um, opioids cross over the border, but there are still some overseas and by air. I just think it's dangerous when we link drugs and immigration in this way because it marks it as the immigrants who are bringing over the drugs when in reality, most people are coming to seek asylum or for a better life, not to bring drugs to kill the people in Ohio. Sorry, Tim Ryan. Um, additionally, Tim Ryan uh, wants to keep families together. He's also agreed to accept at least 110,000 refugees a year, which is on par with some Democratic candidates, but I'm interested to see what you think about that because that's not what we're currently doing. Right, yeah. At least not publicly saying that we're doing. Um I think. Do you think we're taking 110,000 refugees? So we're taking a lot less. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. And I definitely think that we could probably take more than 110,000 refugees a year. So I think it's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of like a very big range of, or a wide range of like a philosophy of what he sees, you know, immigration to be and what, you know, it means to be an American citizen. Um, I think it's very interesting how he kind of, puts his drugs, his drug policy, which is, like, another topic we'll yeah, discuss. Yeah, we're going to cover that next week. Um, with his plan on immigration and to cut ICE. And I think he's using kind of the similar rhetoric that we see the Republican candidate, President Trump, using this idea that um, if we don't control illegal immigrants, uh, we can't control, you know, Our bad drugs, yeah, you know, bad behavior, basically. Bad on race. Yeah, in my lovely Spanish. <laughs> but basically, the <laughs> fact that you know, uh, crime rates and drug rates are linked to immigration. It's this very like nice catch-all, or you know, a chain reaction. Basically, mm -hmm. that once you cut off immigrants, you cut off drugs, and you cut off all the other chain reactions that these people yeah. cause. Specifically, the deaths in Ohio. Right. Exactly. Yes. Which I mean, I really would. I guess we should have done this in from like you know research ahead of time. But I really want to see you know how many actual you know Latin American. So uh, I, I actually looked into it. So he's right in that most of the opioids come right across the border. So right. it's actually interesting. In the rest of the world, most supply comes from Afghanistan. But since we're kind right. of far from there, most of our drugs come from um, Latin America, and it comes directly, you know, through the border. A lot of it comes across the border, but there's also um, a lot that comes overseas from Colombia. So it's not just over the border. There are different ways of getting these opioids into the country. Right. Um, but he's right. See, I, so Tim Ryan takes a very centrist kind of view on immigration. Right, which is what I expect him to kind of exactly. be this coming election cycle. Yeah, he's trying to appeal to kind of both um, Democrats, especially with his um, family policies, right. but also to Republicans when he's talking about keeping 
um, crossing the border a criminal offense. Specifically, I, I really don't know what to say about his policy towards ICE. I get, see, I think it would be hard to completely abolish ICE because right now they're doing so much. And what people don't know is that ICE are not just, you know, the people at the borders, the people who come and raid houses. Their ICE is this part of, I think they're under Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. And they have lawyers and they have a series of administrators and it's a really wide network that I'm not worried about jobs for these people. I'm worried about, you know, what else do they do? And honestly, I think that we are not informed enough about the jobs that ICE do. I really, I think I'm probably more aligned with the people who want to restructure it. Yeah. Because I think there are, we need to change who um, ICE is arresting. But just to keep ICE as it is, I feel that his policies would not radically change what's happening with immigration right now. And I think what I think we also missed that, okay, yeah, sure, you abolish ICE, but yeah. what comes in as a replacement. Exactly. And I think that's not addressed. You know what I mean? Like, it's very, it's very easy and fun to say, yeah, let's get rid of this, let's get rid of that, when it comes to institutions and mm-hmm. policy. But then you leave some loophole in place. And, yes, we do need to, you know – kind of keep record of who's coming into this country. I mean, it is a security, you know, you want to know who's living here. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to be able to keep some type of accurate records, you know, accurate records come with accountability. And right now we have to admit that the accountability comes from ICE. Yes. So I do agree with you that mm -hmm. I don't think abolishment is something um, realistic in any sense. So let's transition to someone who wants to abolish ICE. Yes, that's a good idea. So we're going to talk next about Wayne Messam. So our last candidate that we're going to talk about is Wayne Messam. Um, He is 44 years old, born in South Bay, Florida. He is the first elected black mayor of Miramar, Florida, which is right outside of Miami. Um, he was born to immigrants from Jamaica. His father cut sugarcane in Florida, and his mother was a cook and domestic worker. Um, he won college national champion at age 19 um, at Florida oh, wow. State University. That's so impressive. That's impressive. Um, and he credits, quote, my parents' sacrifices drove me to work hard on the football field and in the classroom to build a construction business and create jobs. Um, so basically he had a construction business, um, prior to being, um, the mayor of Mir- uh, Miramar. So he's another mayor in the game. He's like not mayor Pete, but like another mayor. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so he announced his candidacy on March 28th. Um, but recently it just came out that he did not qualify for the first set of democratic primaries, uh, primary debates. So it's going to be interesting to see how far his um, candidacy progresses. But I think he's still someone that is um, can gives a very interesting insight onto mm-hmm. immigration, um, specifically because of the fact that uh, there's an ICE check-in office within the city limits of um, Miramar. So basically, Messam kind of appeals to this firsthand knowledge that he's seen how ICE operates, Mm -hmm. and he's very, um, very uh, passionate about his claim that ICE lacks to uphold, quote, the human dignity of migrants. Wow. So basically the idea is that he, we should abolish ICE because it is an 
um, an immoral mm-hmm. um, uh, institution. So it's very, very much a moral argument. Right, exactly. And, you know, this human dignity of migrants is lack to this, sorry, inhumane um, treatment of migrants is kind of uh, tied to the fact that he has seen um, community members who are, you know, illegal immigrants and local families um, kind of subjected to these really degrading and humiliating conditions. Um, he claims that there is an insufficient amount of restroom facilities in these check-in offices. Um, there's not a proper amount of shelter from, you know, uh, from weather mm-hmm. um, or anything, you know, heat control to temp, you know, to kind of regulate the temperature. Um, and there's no real uh, place for these immigrants to sit and wait until they have their check-in yeah. at ICE. So um, what's kind of his idea is that we need to abolish ICE because, yes, they inhumanely treat migrants, but he also thinks that the majority of immigrants are good people and should have a pathways to enter the country, which kind of lines up to what Pew had polled that over that I think 68% of Americans had approved of immigrants. I think he kind of appeals to that uh, base. Yeah. And he states that immigrants, quote, strengthen our communities and the economy at large. Again, something that was seen also in that Pew poll that we talked earlier about. And what's very interesting is that he actually applied this idea of abolishing ICE or, you know, testing the limits of how much he can allow ICE to function in his um, city by creating uh, safe zones for immigrants. And he directed the city law enforcement to not support ICE's, uh, quote, abusive efforts to deport a residents unless they are in possession of judicial warrants. Um, so... Basically, he has kind of set up something like a sanctuary city, but on a much smaller um, scale. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So what do you think about his idea of kind of, you know, abolishing ICE and having this idea that, you know, immigrants, all immigrants have this inherent good and benefit to society? Well, compared to the last two candidates we talked about, it seems like he's the only one with actual experience with ICE. I mean, um, in Ohio, we have Tim Ryan, who Ohio is not very close to the border. I mean, they do have immigrants, but he's not seeing when immigrants first cross over. Well, right. Florida, he's very much close to, you know, the ICE check-in. So these immigrants are really new arrivals. Yeah. Um, and Trump is a New Yorker, sadly. And he's in D.C. now. And he's been down to the border, but I don't think he truly understands what's going on with these immigrants. So I think it's interesting that all that he's seen has made him the most liberal, most progressive leftist of the candidates that we've talked about. And I'm wondering if his I if his ideas would be the same if he had lived somewhere else or if this is a direct result of his experience, because he seems to have, you know, the information to back it up. I know what people who are against us would say. They'd kind of, you know, talk about how really is adequate parking and sitting areas is that a true requirement for being humane but I think that um he's really acted as mayor upon you know what he preaches while other candidates may be preaching something that they think would appeal to voters this guy seems like he's true to what he knows yeah which I appreciate yeah and for sure I mean you see that he rejected um Senate bill the the Florida Senate bill 168 Mm -hmm. 
that actually got passed within the state of Florida, but the bill basically required federal immigration enforcement. So yeah. it kind of prohibited this sanctuary policy that, you know, for him would mean that he couldn't c- create these safe zones. Um, so he did publicly reject it. Um, so I think that's kind of a show of someone who kind of sticks by yeah. his ethics, um, which we don't really have much evidence to support Tim Ryan or President Trump's um, doing. Well, maybe it's also because of his outsider status. I mean, right. I think a lot of what people like about Pete Buttigieg bringing another candidate into this is that he's a little bit of a Washington outsider as a mayor. Right. Mm-hmm. So they like his very direct answers. He's not really scared to like take on news right. anchors or um, other congressmen. Well, these candidates, you know, like Tim Ryan's still a congressman. He still has his, uh, he still has a lot at stake while right. being mayor of a small town in Florida. Not that it's not important. It's definitely important, but the stakes are a little different. Right. I think background wise too, I mean, I think uh, Messam kind of has this, you know, credibility yeah. about the fact that he comes from immigrant parents. Oh, true, true. Um, You know, yeah, that I don't think our other two candidates that we discussed about um, Tim Ryan and President Trump have. That's exactly right. I think something else interesting about it. So if we're going to criticize his policy, we talked a lot about this when we talked about Tim Ryan, is that he wants to abolish ICE, but he really doesn't have a new system. He's called for comprehensive immigration reform and system overhaul, um, really changing everything up. But has he really laid out what exactly is going to change? Yeah, and I really don't think so. I think his idea is, you know, you create, you know, a sanctuary, you know, you, sorry, you proceed or you continue the sanctuary policy, um, which if every city in the U.S. becomes a sanctuary city, then we have essentially just opened our borders to any type of immigrants. Well, also, the, the U.S. isn't going to become a sanctuary country. Right. Because even though a small town in Florida may accept this, I mean, that Senate bill was passed in Florida for a reason because of right. a really Republican stronghold on so many parts of Florida. Mm-hmm. So what he has applied on a very small level might not really be adequate for the national level. Right, or exactly, or be something yeah. that voters uh, want to hear. I think if he progresses farther in the polls and he really moves up and continues to be in this race, he's going to need to create more comprehensive policies that can attack what he believes in a national issue. And I think that's going to be a challenge for him. Right, and not even in the national issue, but the national level, you know, kind of applying it. I agree. Yeah. Here's the recap. We just discussed three candidates from different sides of the political debate surrounding immigration. It may be helpful to situate these candidates on a continuum. On the left side, we spoke about Wayne Messam and his idea to abolish to abolish ICE in favor of sanctuary cities, but we questioned his ability to apply this on a national level. Tim Ryan is more centrist and wants to keep ICE and the criminal nature of illegal immigration, but he also dangerously associated drugs with immigration. Lastly, President Trump falls on the right side and plans to tax Mexican goods as a means to making the immigration conversation a multinational and economic issue. And he wants to institute a merit-based immigration system, which may create a system with fewer loopholes, but potentially at the detriment to asylum seekers. Now it's time to spill the tea. Immigration is way more complex than it may seem or is portrayed on the news. Contrary to what the president may think, the U.S. has more than one border, and there are many ways of coming into the country. 
both legally and legally. We also need to consider that immigration is not a new issue, unlike trying to catch up on Game of Thrones without spoilers, or fitting your ever-growing iPhone into those tiny jean pockets they think women can use. Rude. We are a nation of immigrants in every sense of the word. If you don't believe me, ask your elementary school teachers. We all participated in that Heritage Day. Or call up your grandma. She misses you. Chances are, someone in your family came here within the past two centuries, or maybe was a part of the first settlers, also immigrants. What would have happened if they were not let in? In fighting for these immigrants, we are fighting for the next generation of Americans. Here's a take on an American citizen having to know their civics. So, without immigration, what's the point of Thanksgiving? Think about if you're really ready to give up pumpkin pie, family squabbles over politics, and maybe even Black Friday shopping, which should be a national holiday in and of itself. To learn more about 2020 candidate positions on immigration, click on the resources in the description. Be sure to educate yourself on this complex issue before signing onto a position you may not truly support. Thank you and go vote!